there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before, and it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. It's difficult for me to talk about impressions without remembering what somebody in the group asked me. How is it possible that without impressions a man couldn't live a moment? What was amazing to me was that he had just accepted all this, even though he didn't understand it and had this internal objection to it. Like, that's just not possible. I can't understand this. But it took him a long time to ever ask that. What's really funny is he's the only one that's ever asked that. And my guess is that most people don't understand when the work says you can't live a moment without impressions. They don't understand how they could possibly be. Yet, they don't ask. And I don't know whether people don't ask because they don't want to seem stupid or they are afraid they're going to get an answer or I don't know. Or maybe they just think if they wait and kind of sit on the idea like an egg that maybe it'll hatch one day and then they'll understand and magically understand and then they'll be able to boast about it or tell other people, whatever, I don't know, whatever runs us, whatever it is, it's very strange. So a lot of people have trouble with the idea that there are three kinds of food. The food we eat, okay, nobody has trouble with that. We all know that because we eat. The air we breathe. Some people have trouble with that. Well, how can you call air food? Well, because you can't digest your food without air, because your body needs it in order to be nourished and sustained and survive. That's why. That's how I can call air food, and that's how the work can call air food. But where we really start to have trouble is impressions. What stumbles most people, as I said, the work says you can't live a moment without impressions. It's the opposite order of necessity in which we believe. See, we believe in a certain set of rules and regulations and principles and laws and an order of things. And we have no idea whether what we believe is right or wrong, but we believe it. And this is why the work says, don't believe things, verify things. That doesn't mean you can't believe anything. It just means that rather than having our whole way of doing things, our whole way of living through life turned around so that we first believe something and then maybe verify it, but mostly don't. Someone, they would written something on one of their sites and it said something about fake Bibles, counterfeit. That was it, counterfeit Bibles. I said, well, I looked up the definition of counterfeit. I thought, well, maybe I don't understand what counterfeit is. And sure enough, counterfeit was an exact copy of something. So I thought, well, I don't get it. Why would you be afraid of an exact copy of the Bible? I mean, isn't that what the printing press does? Her answer was that there were Bibles that didn't say the right thing. And I said, okay, but according to who? I mean, to, to this group of people, that's a counterfeit Bible. To this group of people, that's a counterfeit Bible. So they're both calling each other counterfeit because one says what they want it to say and one says what they don't want it to say or whatever. And she said, well, I believe in the veracity, or she didn't use the word veracity because I think that was a little bit beyond her vocabulary, but she believed in the veracity of the King James Version, the 16-something King James Version of the Bible. I think it's 1611 or something like that, King James Version of the Bible. And it reminded me of when I was in ministerial school. Uh, our speech teacher was 
warning us to be careful about what version of the Bible we used and what we said about the Bible because people were very persnickety about that because they had their beliefs and their beliefs were something that they never challenged. They never verified or challenged or doubted or questioned because somehow that was a lack of faith and somehow that was a bad thing. And so one day he had said something about the Bible that he was using which was some other version and he said afterwards an an elderly lady came to him and said well uh, doctor so and so why don't you use the Bible that Jesus used? And he said, "Um, okay, well, and which was that, dear? She says, well, the King James Version, of course. And there are people who genuinely, sincerely believe that that's the way it should be. And once we have a belief, it's very difficult for us to loosen it. And in case you hadn't noticed, all this work is really about is loosening associations, attitudes, prejudices, beliefs that are embedded in us and that can't be moved that are like in cement. The thing is that we're so arrogant, we'll question ancient esoteric principles that have been around for thousands of years that people have been practicing and getting results with for thousands of years, yet we won't question our limited understanding. And remember that the work says inflexibility is not a sign of intelligence. The reason we won't question our beliefs is also not a sign of intelligence. The reason we don't question our beliefs is fear. We're afraid that we'll be wrong. And we're afraid that if we're wrong about this poor belief, what else are we wrong about? And then what will we do? How will we find out what's right? If we could believe something that was wrong, then how will we know what is right? And so this whole formatory thing of right or wrong causes a huge problem for people. And unfortunately for people in the work, even though your blessed, sainted souls are so far beyond everybody else's in the world, or at least that's what we think. We seem to think about ourselves like, well, we're in the work now, so that puts us a cut above. No, not usually. I find it just puts us in about the same stratosphere as everyone else. We have the same formatory thinking as everyone else. We have the same attitudes as everyone else. And just add to that the arrogance of, well, we think that we know. And it creates a huge problem. And I probably shouldn't be talking about this because people in the work hate to hear things like this. It's like, well, but you're not talking about me. Of course I'm talking about you. You're exactly the one that I'm talking about. You, you right there, the one that's objecting to this, you are the one that I'm talking about. Well, I know, so you're going to turn this off and go listen to somebody else now because I'm not saying what you want to hear because this isn't the Bible that Jesus used or because this isn't, you know, this isn't the book that Gurdjieff wrote because this isn't what Gurdjieff said and this isn't what Ospensky said. Just lighten up. The truth is not all that difficult. What's difficult is our arrogance and our unyielding attitude toward thinking that our darling self can't be wrong. So let's think about this for a minute. We know that we'll get sick without proper food. You know, there are certain foods if you eat, you will get sick. You know, Steve, flying saucers, things, you'll get sick. And he remembers that because he spent the night, you know, when we went up on a trip to, was that a camp? What were we? What, Utah hunting trip. Yeah, we were a hunting trip to Utah, and Steve spent the night keeping everyone in the motel room up. Steve doesn't do anything quietly. <laughs> he, oh, God, <laughs> oh, <laughs> and everybody, everybody was awake, relying and thinking, oh, man, somebody put him out of his misery. You know, he had guns, so, so he was in danger. <laughs> anyway, we, we didn't kill him, obviously, because he's still here. So we know that if we don't get proper food, we can get sick. 
For example, the English sailors figured out that if they didn't take citrus fruits along with them, and of course why the British are called limeys is because the English Navy carried limes on board their ships after they found out about the lack of vitamin C and scurvy. They would get out there, they wouldn't have any fresh fruits, fresh vegetables, they would just eat whatever they ate, and so they got scurvy, and their teeth would start to fall out, and their gums would start to bleed, and they started to have problems. So they figured that out. And so if you don't get enough of the right kinds of foods, you can get sick. It's not just bad food. Steve got food poisoning, bad food, but it's not having the right food will also do it. We can be made to understand, if the person can wield the two-by-four hard enough, that we can get sick without proper air. You hear about people who sit in their garage with their car turned on and they get carbon monoxide poisoning and die. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means bad air, and you can get sick and die with bad air. So we can see that air is a food too. But it's more difficult for us to be made to understand about the food of impressions. So we'll try and increase our understanding of impressions, and maybe we'll get a little bit more out of this. Awake or asleep, and I'm talking ordinary sleep when you're on the bed, we're getting impressions from our body, hot, cold, pain, comfort, breathing, heart beating, etc. When these stop, one of the things you know is you're dead. When the body stops giving impressions, you're dead. That's how they tell. Back in the old days, they'd hold a mirror to someone's mouth to see if they were breathing. And if they weren't breathing, if they didn't see anything on the mirror, then they, they would pronounce the person dead. Now, they've gone a lot further these days, but they still pronounce people dead who aren't dead. And uh, they still keep people on life support who are already dead. So we have a problem with that. But when these things, when the breathing and the heart beating and all of that stuff stops, that's a sign that you're dead. Consider so-called love. We're served with divorce papers, and suddenly everything changes. We pine, we get sick, we get depressed. Some people eat more, some people eat less, some people start drinking. You know the drill? So all of this stuff happens when you get served divorce papers. So let's say you go to the doctor, and he prescribes what? Antidepressants like Prozac, Zoloft, Paxil, Xanax, which could be called, in a sense, impression inhibitors. They really start to inhibit our ability to take in certain kinds of impressions. So they're, in a sense, impression inhibitors. Now, we can see that just the divorce papers, which of course is an impression, I mean, because you're not sticking it in your mouth and you're not eating it, so you're not eating it, you're not chewing it up, but you're also not snorting it, you're not breathing it. It's an impression. It's a piece of paper and you read it and you get an impression. And that impression makes you pine. That impression makes you sick. That impression makes you eat. That impression makes you stop eating. That impression makes you drink. That impression makes you depressed. Let's take another step of this. Then suddenly, you know, the lawyers get involved and you see what it's going to cost and all your life is torn apart and everybody else's lives are torn apart. You had no idea that all this was going to happen when you filed for the divorce papers. So you reconcile with your spouse and everything changes again. Why? Well, because the pizza delivery guy, who of course is the process server, showed up with the food of impressions, the divorce papers. Or you got back together and you reconciled, and now you have the impression that what was irreconcilable is now reconcilable, and you take that impression and you feel better. Between 1914 and 1918, let's call this the medical dark ages. Of course, we're still in the medical dark ages, but I wouldn't say that too loudly because I know that there are doctors who listen to this and will take exception with that. They'll think this is not necessarily the medical dark ages. And of course, it's not if you compare it to 1914 to 1918, when over 300 soldiers were executed for shell shock and battle fatigue during the First World War by the British Army. Now, today, there's acute stress disorder 
PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder, nearly 100 years later, 22% of the soldiers serving in Iraq and Afghanistan return home with PTSD symptoms. Now, they're symptoms. So 22% of the people who would have had to been executed or punished for having shell shock or battle fatigue or PTSD, whatever, they didn't understand then. Now they understand that it is a disorder. It's a psychological disorder. They don't understand how, why, they're still trying to treat it chemically. They don't understand that it's the food of impressions. And someday the medical profession will understand the food of impressions. Maybe. It's possible. They've come close to it before. Carl Jung came very close to it. And then there's people who are just physical. Now, if it can't be measured, if it can't be weighed, if it can't be touched, it's not real or it can't be dealt with. And maybe that's right. Maybe they just should not have anything to do with that. And maybe the two things should just come together so that there are people that had, if they had respect for one another, which of course they don't because of our condition. And it's not doctors, it's us. It's our condition. Our condition is we're right, they're wrong. What we believe is right. We have the Bible that Jesus used and the rest of them don't. And so we're right, they're wrong. It's like that, only it's in the medical profession. And it's like that, only it's in the scientific community. And it's like that, except that it wasn't last week we talked about the physicists and their whole idea that, you know, well, these guys are getting funding. They're taking funding away from us because they're doing something that we're not doing. And we don't like that, so it's a pseudoscience. It's that whole thing. is It's rampant because of our arrogance, our pride, and our ignorance. And so pride and vanity runs this world because pride and vanity runs each individual. Soldiers returning from Iraq and Afghanistan have served the bad food of impressions on a daily basis. What is that bad food? Well, daily horrors making them ill just as bad air or improper diet will make you ill. You get a diet of bad impressions, horrible impressions every day, day in and day out. You will get sick. Do you agree? Okay, so we got the divorce thing, we've got as, as one example, or you get a phone call and somebody says, well, your so-and-so just died. And on that phone call alone, those impressions, you start to get weepy or crazy or whatever people get when they hear something like that. Or maybe you're excited. Oh, good, it's a bad time that one died. Whatever. And then you find out later that, oh, that was the wrong number, sorry. During the Second World War, they would deliver telegrams, your son is dead. You know. And some people got the wrong telegram. They sent to the wrong person and the son wasn't dead. But the people went through the whole grief process because they took in the impression. And once the impression was in them, they started to get sick psychologically. So you see how impressions are food? That's what I wanted you to see. The idea is it's just a matter of presenting it properly. Maurice Nicole said, the whole range of physical illnesses can be re-represented on the mental plane by a correspondence. A narrow, prejudiced, mean person, a jealous person, a negative person will take in negative impressions and so be ill on that level, whereas a person more generous and broad-minded will not. We pay for every wrong attitude, Nicole said, everything we do not forgive. Everything we lie to ourselves about, every negative state. This is something that we really need to understand. I think it was Steve yesterday who mentioned, was it you yesterday who mentioned about seeing what negative impressions cost us, seeing what negative states cost us, seeing what it costs to be negative. And for the last couple of weeks, we've talked about, in the, in the Light podcast, we talked about negative emotions. Dad gum it and dad blast it. Why do we have these negative emotions? And, and I don't have negative emotions. I don't express them. So how can I, if I don't verbalize them, how can I not express them? So the, the whole idea of negative emotions is a very important idea, but it's important for us to understand it, not just to parrot it, not just to accept it, not just to believe it, like it's the King James Version of the Bible, but to verify it, to understand, to, through self-observation, begin to understand 
understand ourselves what cost negative emotions, negative states, negative impressions have for us, what it cost us. You hear you're getting a raise. That's great. Then you hear you're laid off. You get laid off, that's not so great. That news is an example of the food of impressions. You get a raise, oh, I'm elated. They look, well, and you go spend money. You go spend money that you don't have because you got a news that you're going to have some. And then you lose your job, you get laid off, and then you, oh, you freak out and you stop spending money because now you don't have any money. You had the same amount of money you had when you got the news, but now suddenly the impressions make you crazy and you're out of balance and you start doing weird things. Food of impressions. Your new girlfriend fixes your dinner. Food's great, but the fireplace is leaking and you get a headache from poisonous carbon monoxide fumes. She tells you your new haircut sucks and you look like an idiot and she's really not sure she wants to be seen with an idiot. Now, think about it. You got a great meal, so the food of food is fine. And then you have bad air, the leaky fireplace, so you got the carbon monoxide and so you have a headache. That's not so great. But then what makes it really ratty is that your girlfriend tells you that your haircut sucks and makes you look like an idiot. She's not sure she wants to be seen with an idiot and maybe she doesn't want to be seen with you anymore and maybe you ought to take your coat and hat and leave. We'd be better off with a badly cooked meal in good air with great companions, wouldn't we? Or as Proverbs says, and I'm pretty sure this isn't the King James Version, better is a dinner of vegetables where love is than fattened steer and hatred with it. Impressions have more of an impact than physical food. Now, are you beginning to understand about impressions? It's too bad the guy left the group who didn't understand how you could not live without impressions for even a moment. He never stayed around to find out. He decided to go on and get some impressions somewhere else or have regurgitated impressions, usually what we eat, regurgitated impressions. You remember the movie The Matrix? I know, Jess, you live by that movie. The Matrix theorized that life was really internal and could be controlled by programming the brain. Truly, it's not far off. The only difference is is that you're the guy who has to do the programming. Somebody else isn't going to plug you into something and put all those things in your body and put you in a tank and keep you alive and use you as a battery. But you can be programmed. The fact is you are programmed. You have been programmed very sloppily and unconsciously, mechanically, by the people around whom you grew up. You were programmed. That's what your attitudes are. That's what your life is. That's what your thoughts are. That's what your feelings are. That's what your reactions are. That's what your false personality is. It is false programming. Let's just take another glance at this. About 7 million light-sensitive nerve points receive an image. Okay? So you're you're looking at something. About 7 million light-sensitive nerve points receive that image. That image is shot to the brain, upside down. Then what happens is the brain combines and sends it through millions of nerve impulses to the left and right brain. That stimulates millions of cells. We don't even know how many. We'll just say millions because it could be trillions, but we don't know. There's just so much in the medical profession that we don't know, even though it's not the medical dark ages. It's the medical dim ages. We're getting brighter as the decades click along, but we're still not there yet. We st- there's still so much that we don't understand. There's still so much that we haven't cured. There's still so much that we don't know how to deal with. So it's never a good idea to get too arrogant about it. Everything we see externally only triggers internal nerve cell machinery where the real deal takes place. So you see, all this stuff, all these things coming in, you don't really know what that is. There's 7 million light-sensitive nerve points that are taking that in. But once it gets into your brain, it's upside down. So you already turn it upside down. Then you split it and send part of it to the right side of your brain, part of it to the left side of your brain. Then in your brain, you turn it right side up. So you're doing all this, and you don't know anything about it. You're doing it constantly, 
just at the same time as you're beating your heart and you're breathing and you're circulating your blood and you're digesting your food and you're regulating your body temperature and you don't know a thing about it. Thanks to the instinctive center, you don't know a thing about it. But we could know something about it and we should know something about it. Not a whole lot, but we should know something about it. What we do know is that everything we see externally is only triggering internal nerve cell machinery. Well, if that internal nerve cell machinery is programmed wrong, then the things that you're seeing aren't really there. You're getting impressions that aren't really there. Somebody calls with the wrong number and they say, your sister Rose is dead. And those impressions, you got the wrong impressions, because if you had been alert, if you'd been conscious, if you'd been bringing the work up to the level of incoming impressions, you would say, who is this? Who's calling? Rose who? You'd start asking questions. But immediately, you'll notice that you get news like that. Your heart's in your mouth or your stomach flips or something happens or you find that you clench your fist or you start to cry or whatever because the impressions got right through and triggered machinery inside. It's internal nerve cell machinery. But it's still machinery because it works like a machine because it's programmed. We look for satisfaction in the outer, but it's far removed from where we experience life. Where do we experience life? We don't experience life in the outer. We experience life internally. Well, how can you say that we experience life internally when we're sitting right here, out here in the outer, and everything we're doing is in the outer? Well, that's really not true, is it? Everything we're doing isn't in the outer. Everything we see is really experienced internally through the nerve cell machinery. And Nicole said, we are far closer to one another psychologically than physically. Think about it. We are far closer to one another psychologically than we are physically. You cannot see someone for a long time and talk to them on the phone and feel just as close to them and closer than if you were sitting next to them. Looking at the world, can you doubt that we are psychologically ill as mankind? Can you doubt for a moment that we're psychologically ill? I mean, really? We need to change our diet, but it's not the food that we eat and it's not the air that we breathe, although that could help. It's the food of impressions that can heal us because that's the most important food. You can starve to death from lack of impressions. We understand starving to death from lack of food. We understand starving to death from lack of water. We understand starving to death from lack of air. But we can starve to death from lack of impressions. You can't even imagine what it would be like to live for a moment without impressions once you start to realize what impressions are. That guy who asked me that question didn't have a clue what impressions were. He didn't have a clue what was running him or else he couldn't have asked the question. Remember the Mac commercial from 1984? In January of 1984, they were announcing the new Macintosh computer that was going to change everything. And the commercial was in gray. It was all in gray tones. And it was a cut from the movie 1984, one of the old movies, 1984. And there's this guy speaking, this talking head up on this screen, and all these people dressed in uniforms, gray drab uniforms and boots, and their heads shaved, and they're all looking straight ahead, and they're marching, clump, 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 clump. Clump, clump. And then comes this blonde girl in bright red shorts, running shorts, and a kind of Olympic, looks like an Olympic runner. And she's got this big sledgehammer. She's running with this big sledgehammer. And there are all these people, all these gray drab people chasing her. Then all these other guys, these gray drab shaved head people are sitting there staring at this big huge screen where this talking head's talking and they're all just staring there mindlessly being programmed. And she comes running down there with these guys with machine guns chasing her and she starts to swing this sledgehammer, swing this sledgehammer around and around and then she heaves it and it goes 
bam, right through the big screen where the talking head is. And then light blast out of there. And air seems to blast out of there. But this force blasts out of there. And you can see everybody was sitting there listening. They all had their eyes and their mouths open now. And they're receiving a whole new set of impressions. That's my interpretation of it, of course, from a work point of view. But that's the only point of view I want. I don't want another point of view. If I wanted a worldly point of view, I'd go back out in the world and hang out in bars and do all the things that people do. But I'm not interested in that. I want a work point of view because I want to transform into another order of being. I don't want to be the gray, drab, shaved head, marching zombie, mechanical, the machine. I want some fresh, clean, new, real impressions that will nourish and transform my being. That's why you're here. Hopefully, hopefully, you'll be able to get some. Hopefully, you'll be able to interfere with your internal nerve cell machinery and start to get impressions as they should be instead of tainted, bad food like the flying saucer. Those people were starving for impressions. Everything was gray. Everything was the same. The talking head said the same thing every day. They marched the same way every day. They ate the same thing every day. They worked the same job every day. The false personality strives to reduce everything to a common level so no differences exist. The female blonde runner, which is sledgehammer, was in vibrant red. Which do you suppose will give you more food of impressions? The drab, droll, gray, sameness, or differences? Rich impressions are like vitamin-rich foods that nourish our bodies, only they are for our psychological bodies not just our physical bodies. And our psychological bodies nourish our physical bodies as well because we've already seen that if psychologically you take in bad impressions, horrible impressions, it can make you physically ill. It can make you stop eating. It can make you start drinking. It can make you do all kinds of things. On what do these impressions fall? All of these impressions that are coming in, the real question is on what do they fall? Currently, they fall on associations which tend to repeat day after day in a mind-numbing sameness. How's it going today? Same old, same old. Have you ever heard yourself say that? Yeah. Well, nothing. You know, what's going on? Nothing. Really? Here you are in a vibrant universe where everything is changing from moment to moment, and nothing's going on. Nothing's new. What's new? Nothing. It just is a testimony to our mechanicalness. It's a testimony to our sleep. It's a testimony to the fact that we are unable to take in fresh impressions because something is hindering us. And that is what we're talking about, associations. The impressions aren't the same. It's where we are receiving them. That is the problem. Gurdjieff said, try to see things without associations. Try to see things without associations. If you've ever tried that, and I know you have, it's very difficult because associations don't ask permission. They don't need any permission. They just absorb impressions. They just take the impressions. They take them before you can get them. Why? Well, because most of the time we're asleep. And when we're asleep, it's like your heart beating, breathing, your body regulating temperature, digesting food, circulating blood, whatever. All of that is done without you knowing anything about it. You can become aware of it. You can become aware of your breath. Those of you who meditate know you can become aware of your breath. You can become aware of bodily sensations. You can become aware of an enormous amount that's going on in the body. The truth is you can become aware of circulation. You can become aware of your lymph glands circulating. You can become aware of all kinds of things. You can become aware of your thoughts and your feelings and your sensations as three separate different things. 
you can separate them, you can see them as separate. So all of these things are possible to the human mind, but we are not trained to do it until we train ourselves to do it. And most people are too busy thinking that they're living in the outer through the five senses to realize that their real life is experienced internally with what the five senses is feeding them. And what's the five senses feeding them? The food that we eat, the air that we breathe, and the most important of all, the food of impressions. If we could see things without associations, impressions would fall on essence and everything would become more vivid. Every person here, as far as I can tell, has experienced impressions falling directly on essence when the whole world changed in an instant. Now, unfortunately, it changed back, and it didn't take long. Maybe some people have had it for a few minutes, some people for a few hours, some people maybe for a few days. But eventually, the impressions start to, the color, the, the vividness, the vibrancy of the impressions start to fade, and we go back to sleep. That's our problem. To change our associations, we begin by realizing through self-observation and non-identifying what the work teaches us. See, when we realize that we're mechanical, all of the associations that we have are weakened. All of the associations that usually gobble up the impressions. So impressions are coming in constantly. We're bombarded with impressions, but we don't know it. Why don't we know it? We're sleeping. And what's happening while we're sleeping? The associations are gobbling up these impressions, and they're sending them here and sending them there. And then we wonder why we're sick. We wonder why we're depressed. We wonder why we're happy. We wonder why we're bored. We wonder why we're all these things. We don't understand any of that because the associations worked outside our sphere of awareness. So what we're talking about is increasing our consciousness to the point where we can start to become aware of impressions. And the work says the only way to do that is through self-observation and non-identifying. This aids the digestion of impressions. As it is, you digest impressions without knowing anything about it in pretty much the same way that you digest food. Now, there are some people who know a little bit more about diet, who know a little bit more about their bodies, and who eat a little bit differently, and they will eat certain things in certain orders in order to aid their digestion, and they will get more energy from what little food they eat. And then there are other people who just eat, 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 and they don't have energy because they're dragging around an extra 100 pounds of weight. So it can be done. You can become more conscious. You can increase your consciousness. If you can increase your consciousness about physical things, you can increase your consciousness about psychological things. We'll never get a new feeling of I with our old thinking. One of the first things the work says is you must change your thinking. Metanoia. You must change your thinking. If you keep on thinking the same way you're thinking, if you keep having the same associations, nothing is going to change. And it's not going to get better by itself. This is one of the big illusions of our world, is that somehow we're just going to evolve and it's all going to get better by itself. Mechanically, we're going to become conscious. One of the things the work teaches very clearly and rightly is you cannot increase your consciousness mechanically. You can only do it consciously. As we are, associations act before we can see them. The outer world can only touch us through impressions that are pouring in through the five senses. Our ideas of people, things, events, are all connected with associations with which we're identified. You see a person, you have a reaction. You see a person you know, you have a reaction. I don't care whether you know the person and you hate them, or you know the person and you love them, or you know the person and you feel nothing for them. You have some kind of reaction. That is the impressions coming in through the five senses of that person. And we don't even know who that person is. All it is is light falling on seven million light-sensitive nerve points and then falling on associations and then making you feel psychologically however you feel psychologically, experience whatever you experience psychologically about 
whatever impressions came in. But you don't know what impressions came in because you weren't there to check them. You weren't there because you were identified with the associations. You weren't there because you were sleeping through it. We must let go to loosen these associations. Do you have any idea what this means, the impact of this? You must let go. This is the one thing we don't want to do. We don't want to let go. But until we do, we can't change. And if we want our lives to be the way they are, then there's nothing to do. If you want your life to be different, if you want to transform your being, if you want to raise your level of consciousness, if you want to expand your awareness, then there's lots to do. And fortunately, we can work. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or a person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at SolidRockVista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.